This is Paul Nobles from Eat Reform. And once again, I'm sitting here with Dr. Susan Kleiner. Susan, can you walk people through how they can reach you or get your information? Sure. Good morning, everybody, or afternoon or evening, whatever it is for you, wherever you are. Uh, you can find me at my website, drskleiner.com, D-R-S-K-L-E-I-N-E-R.com. You can find out about me, what I do, where I'm going to be, and uh, find my books online there, podcasts that I've done, including uh, Eat to Perform. And you can also find me on social media, at Power Eat, or on Facebook, Dr. Susan Kleiner. And I am Paul Nobles. I am the, uh, I, I like to say that I am the Susan interpreter sometimes, right? <laughs> where, where I, you know, kind of take the things that she says and then kind of make it consumable. Um, though, actually, you're really good um, in that regard, right? The, you know, oh, the, majority, you. the majority of people, um, I think, you know, often get caught up in the details with the science because it's hard to explain the science part without feeling like you're leaving something on the table that could be misunderstood, right? But, but I am the, the co-founder of Eat to Perform. Um, you can go to our website if you're looking to get coaching or have a better understanding of food. All right, so I wanted to talk about a, a few things because um, they all kind of work together, right? And uh, Susan was just talking to me about how um, the diet industry right now is, is really bombarding a lot of people and she's not wrong, right? Because many of us are, it's actually interesting because you know, there's, there's been two worlds. There was the, there was the, the people that kind of loosen things up um, you know, food is joyful, right? And so you're stuck at home and maybe, you know, kind of struggling with a little depression or something of this nature, you can sort of become, you know, a little bit reliant on hyper palatable foods to kind of get you through those moments, right? And then there was the other side. There was the people that bought a Peloton on the secondary market, right? And that was, that group of people is a lot bigger than you might think right? And they bought squat racks for $2,000 and things of this nature. I mean, I know one guy who uh, lived in a one bedroom apartment and cleaned out his whole living room. You know, um, he had he had a storage area that he had available to him, took all of his furniture and put it in his storage area and, and put his squat rack uh, in, in, the, in the front room. Yeah. So, so there was a lot of people that did that. Um, I actually think that from a marketing standpoint, this is not a phenomenal time with marketing. It's weird because um, there's, there's, there's some periods for us that are typically a lot better. Um, we don't, you know, we're not, we don't consider ourselves a dieting company, right? We consider the way that we do things you know, really kind of a solution for life, you know, and when I say solution for life, please don't uh, confuse that with, um, it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle, right? Because you know, for a lot of people that are saying it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle, they're typically talking about a lifestyle of under eating most of the time, 
right? What we're trying to do is kind of teach people the part where once they go through a dieting cycle, they can actually kind of get their calories fully recovered to the point where they can function better. Now, if you were over consuming and, you know, every night you were eating two bowls of ice cream and things of this nature and your calories are somewhere in the neighborhood of 4,000 calories if you were a man or maybe, you know, 3,200 calories if you're a woman and you were putting on weight as a result, you know, a lot of times just taking away the ice cream will do a lot in that regard. But what happens is, is people sort of over adjust, right? So rather than just kind of taking the ice cream out and kind of seeing where they're at, what they tend to do, or maybe replacing that with a, with a, a better option, you know, because so if you're eating ice cream with, with hot fudge and peanuts, and that's 750 calories, and you might be doing two of those, you know, if you could replace that with like a yogurt bar or something that kind of gives you, you know, uh, just a similar idea, but not necessarily the kind of calories and then kind of see where you're at once that's done. I think that's a much better approach for a lot of people. Right. And so, um, but when we start to get into kind of these advanced dieting concepts, so one of the things that's really popular right now, and I'm starting to see a lot of people doing is, um, podcasts on reverse dieting, which to me is funny because no one is doing reverse dieting the way we are doing it, right? And no one is doing it and has done it anywhere close to what we've been doing it for 10 years. We're the best by far. And when I say we're the best by far, the only people that could possibly be correct would be like a real high level, um, performance nutritionist or someone working with like a bodybuilder or strong man where they're like eight to 10,000 calories, right? Susan's raising her hands. Um, but, but the reality is, is that most people talking about reverse dieting, you know, especially if the customer is in control of their own journey, you're not going to get those clients anywhere close to where they want to be, right? Especially if you're letting them dictate the process. So people go, well, why do you always talk about the part where food is an ally? Why are you always talking about where calories should be? And that's why, because I want you to know when you buy, eat to perform, that we're going to actually push you to an uncomfortable place. Because if you've been under eating for quite some time, you know, it's going to be a difficult discussion, but it's going to be a discussion that we're going to have. I would say, you know, we don't have to have it that often, but there was some, there was something recently we, we had, um, we had a post and it was a Q and a, and this, uh, this woman said, I need to lose 20 pounds by June. The old Paul would say, why do you need to lose the weight so quickly and things of this nature? And but but her question was, can you help me? And I said, no, I can't help you. You know, that's just not what we do. You know, what we do is a much more sustainable way, because what we ultimately want you to do is lose 20 pounds and then keep it off. Right. And, um, you know, we didn't even really get into it, but there was comment after comment of I've never seen that. I've never seen a diet program say that, right? I've never seen someone, and I don't consider it as a, a diet program per se, but, but, you know, there's an element of, of cutting and stuff like this. And so, you know, I just think it's interesting that, that, that reverse dieting 
is sort of this cute topic to other people, right? So, so they write, you know, 10 to 15 articles and, and then they kind of have that one podcast on reverse dieting just in case, right? And it's like, it's almost like using a sword against the client, right? That they're not that familiar with. They know that it needs to happen, right? But they're probably not anywhere near to close to what the calories would need to be, right? So I'm very comfortable telling you the guides that we use. For women, it's 2,500 calories. And for men, it's 3,000 calories. So does that mean that we're going to have you eating 2,500 calories tomorrow? No. What it means is, is we're going to start working you into that direction and we're going to see how your body responds, right? So when you hear someone talking about reverse dieting, just ask them, you know, are you going to get me to 2,500? Right? Are you going to get me to what my total daily energy expenditure should be? Are we, tr- are we talking about a normal amount of calories? And then, you know, there was another person that was within the group and, you know, she was talking about how she's loving performance recomp and that, you know, got her at 2650. She's never eaten this much. She's never, she, she's shocked that her weight is stable. You know, she's destroying it in the gym, all these positive things. Right. And she's like, but this is getting me ready for the real deal. Right. And I, and I commented right after that. I was like, where you are right now is the real deal, right? The other is the place where your body doesn't actually want to be. Your body actually wants to eat. Your body actually wants to thrive, right? And, and she's like, you know what? You're right. That's a great way to, to describe it. And, and it's, a, it's a shift, right? It's a shift. But I think, I think that what you're kind of, you know, what you're kind of hearing, like eat and perform, you know, there's a lot of thought processes related to the word diet, you know, um, and I really don't even want to get into it. But when we call ourselves eat to perform, we call ourselves eat to perform method, eat to perform by itself, right? We don't call it the eat to perform diet, right? Because part of calling yourself the diet is that one, you're sending a signal into the the atmosphere that the majority of what we do is dieting, right? And I know people say, well, you know, a diet is what you eat. It's not, it's, no, no, come on. If, If a brand is calling themselves the X diet, right? They're talking about food restriction, right? And so I can't hear from those people, right? They're, well, we're gonna add 200 calories, see how your body responds, and then we'll see if you're able to take on any more. Well, if they had you at 1,100 calories, being at 1,300 calories is not where your body wants to be. That's not where, you know, your true math is. And so when people look at, you know, I was, I was, the one thing that I'm really proud of when, when we put out, you know, client um, testimonials or transformations is our people look strong, right? They look really strong. They don't look watered down they don't look drawn out they don't look like they just got the shit kicked out of them for like nine months straight you know and and i i just feel like you know a lot of people that are sort of stuck in in these kind of ideas you know 
are are just pursuing the wrong path for for too long, right? So, um, Susan, do you want to have any say there? Kind of, kind of went, you know, um, a little long on it, but I think the concept of reverse dieting is sort of cute to a lot of programs when it's like a main function for what we do. So I am sort of protective of it because I hear, well, you know, last place they reversed me, you know, to 1400. No, 1400 is not normal calories for a human being. Well, um, so, so I love the idea of the community that you have built where um, people have other people to surround themselves with, even if they don't physically surround themselves with these people, but they have a community of people whose badge of honor is how much they're eating versus how little they're eating. Because out in the diet world, your badge is how little you're eating and people surround themselves with that. How long they can go with how little they're eating. And it's, it's the topic of conversation. Believe me, I know I've been in the middle of that for my entire career trying to help people pull themselves away from it and surround themselves with other people who are doing healthier nutrition strategies, eating more. Um, you know, all the research tells us that the people who you surround yourself with will dramatically influence your own personal behavior. And so your community is equally as important um, as, as the strategies that you use, it is a philosophy about eating as well as the science of food and nutrition um, that, that becomes critically important so that, so that people can actually not just get to where you want them to go, but as you're saying, see it as the goal and, and that the, the time when they go into their mini cut is just a tool in the toolbox. It's a, it's a short-term strategy. The long-term goal is, is eating more and thriving. And it's a, it is 180 degrees from what the diet world is telling us. And, and, and there is no science that supports that strategy as a successful lifelong strategy. Yeah, so it's interesting because, you know, it, when you talk to eat performers, the community is such a big part of their life, right? And there's all these connections that happen with all these people. Um, by the way, I wanna get into kind of a mini cut. Um, you mentioned it. Um, it's a little bit different and I'll, I'll talk about why, but, um, and then kind of how some people use it and, and, and things of this nature. But, but you're right, right? Like, you know, oftentimes when someone first starts off with Eat to Perform, they see all these badass people, right? And, and there's all this talk, you know, there's, there's, there's food friendly ideas. Our meal planning group, you know, is, is so popular. Um, there's none of this, you know, naughty and nice lists of foods, right? Um, you know, all foods are either useful or not useful. And, and you know, Doritos at a, you know, uh, a graduation party, 
you know, might be something that's a little useful, right? With alongside a sandwich, you know, doesn't mean that, you know, I mean, you could incorporate it potentially into your routine um, if you really, really, really like Doritos, but, but there's probably a lot better options out there for you, right? And, you know, we talked about this in a, in a podcast recently that we did on sugar addiction. So if you haven't listened to that, um, that might be something to check out. But there's, you know, there's this need to like demonize foods right into these naughty and nice lists. And when you do that, oftentimes you'll feel paralyzed, almost like a prison that you've created for yourself, you know, and you don't see that in, in the, the group, right? Um, and so sometimes for, for, for people that are coming from a really restrictive background or something of this nature, it can be a little bit of a shocker, you know, where people are talking about date night or, or, or drinking margaritas on vacation or things of this nature, things that, you know, are definitely on the naughty list, you know, other places, but, but like, you know, I want to create like a joy list right? Where wine is on the joy list and margaritas is on the joy list. And like I said, Doritos, because some of these things in moments in time, you know, I, the funny thing about the Doritos is I haven't had a bag of Doritos um, in so long, but my wife and I, we were on, um, we were dropping our daughters off in college and we went to this cute little town um, to visit. And uh, my wife said, I'm having a weird, like, you know, I want like a bag of Doritos. You want to split a bag of Doritos with me? I was like, yeah, why not? You know? And, um, and it was great. You know, I, I get the appeal, right. Um, you know, haven't had any sense, you know, but, but, you know, I don't think like that where I have to, you know, restrict myself from things or otherwise, you know, everything's going to fall to pieces, right? Because I think that that's, um, that's not actually how it works. Um, so we kind of talked about reverse dieting and normal. And, and the reason why, you know, as you have your calories higher, you just have better math, right? You know, I was saying to, to Susan, she thought it was funny. She's probably not gonna think it's as funny the second time I say it, but <laughs> The part where you're reducing calories, like a monkey with an abacus can do that, right? <laughs> the, the, the part that's difficult is the part where food normalizes, right? And where, where you're eating an adequate amount for what you do. And then you go, well, why is it important that I eat an adequate amount for what I do? Like, what if I don't work out extremely? What we've been able to show people over and over again some of our super athletes that, you know, have abs and, and, you know, uh, are kind of what a lot of people aspire towards related to body composition, they don't necessarily eat as much as the people that are less active, right? Um, they're, they're actually kind of similar. The people that are not as active compared to the people, they might have three to 500 calories worth of difference, right? But that three to 500 calories worth of difference isn't the difference between being jacked and not jacked, right? It's the, it's the amount of work that they're able to do because of the food that they're able to eat. And that's what they prioritize. I can tell you personally, you know, that my wife and I are on a streak with pickleball, right? 
And if you've ever played pickleball, it is not an extreme activity, you know? Um, and then I see the, I see the people playing like doubles. We play singles. So it is a little bit more active, but, but doubles is not, near as active because mostly mostly you're playing close to the net and things of this nature that was on pickleball teams in action we're on the front page of our local newspaper yesterday (laughs) yeah i mean it it, it's really fun and so if you ask me you know do i want to go to the gym today or do i want to go pickleball i'm gonna have to really want to go to the gym that day right (laughs) because i really like pickleball right now and that that could be the same thing for for um, paddle boarding or, or some of these things that people don't think as super active sports, right? But it's in my view, if the way that you eat and what you do, you love it, you'll do it, right? And then, you know, there's kind of this famous Steve Jobs quote, you know, and he's like, well, you, you the reason why you can stick to the things you love is because, you know, you're sane. He's like, you know, most people quit stuff because, you know, like think of it from the standpoint of a regular bedtime. You know, sometimes there's something on TV that you might want to watch. You know, maybe you can stay up and watch, you know, that. But now all of a sudden, if you stay up an hour and a half past that, you know, now all of a sudden your sleep's sort of messed up. So staying in that routine or meal planning or all these different things, you have to embrace those things as part of who you are because it's so easy to quit. You, you got to have passion for this stuff, right? And so if you're doing something you don't like, you're just not going to stick with it because like Steve Jobs says, you're sane. Right. Most people want to stick to the things that, that, you know, that they really care about. So you really do have to care about it. And so, um, so, okay. So <laughs> we are getting away from kind of the basic idea and I think I can cover this relatively quickly, but reverse dieting is something that's coming up. And now the other thing that's coming up are mini cuts. And I want to, I want to make sure that what we're talking about is is um, kind of what we do, how a mini cut might fit, and how most of the time it absolutely positively does not, right? And once again, there's just not a lot of diet programs that are going to tell you this. Here's what happens with mini cuts. For the good majority of people, once you start to get into that mini cut mentality, you're mini cutting all the time, right? And so, especially if like you're in charge of your own calories on my fitness pal or some of these automated apps and things like this nature, what's going to happen is, is if you control your journey, every time your weight goes up, mini cut, right? And so, so now if we know that your net normal calories for a woman are between 2000 and 2,500 or for a man, you know, 27 to let's say, um, you know, 3,500 calories, we're just never getting there, right? And we're never going to get that math to the part where you're actually going to be able to build tissue, right? I mean, when we look at when we look at the way that we structure it, we have we have seven different days, you know, and it kind of works in in like a rhythm. And the reason why we have that rhythm is one, we can actually predict the lowest 
wait for you and on which day it's going to happen, right? Almost no other program can do that because they don't fluctuate that way or they don't think of it the way that, that we're doing it. So that's an interesting part. The other interesting part is there's a high day, there's a super day, and there are two medium days. Those are the days we're trying to push you to a little bit of a surplus so that you can build tissue, right? And so as calories are going up, at the end of the day, right, it's all about calorie average. But what we're trying to do is push you to a place where your body can be responsive to building tissue, right? And in theory, you know, with some workouts, that is muscle tissue, right? And then you have some lower days that sort of kind of keep things in check, you know, as it relates to weight or um, just kind of, you know, cycling calories in a way that, that allow you to have a lower calorie average without being restricted all the time. That's probably the best way to say it. Okay, so now you have this concept that's coming up on mini cuts, right? So all these people, you know, you talk to them and there was a guy at my gym. He was talking about this. He's like, this guy's been on three mini cuts in the last probably two and a half months, you know? And, and that's a fundamental not understanding of, of how, you know, the monkey with an abacus works, right? is you have to understand that you have to have the math to actually get the result, right? And this is why all these people talking about mini cuts and doing mini cuts, right? And, and all this other type of stuff. If you're coming from this diet mindset where you're always restricted, guess what you think is going to happen when you listen to the next podcast on mini cut? You're not going to hear what I'm telling you, right? Because what I'm telling you is, is if you talk to an eating perform coach and you say, I want to do a mini cut. We're going to look at your calories, right? And if your calories up to a certain point aren't up to a certain point, the answer is going to be no, right? And you go, well, I'm a client and I'm paying for this. It's like, well, you're going to have to go to another program because that's not the way this works, right? And, and, and you go, well, wouldn't you lose clients that way? You know what? You don't. And I'll tell you why. Because clients want you to stand for something. They want you to be, you know what people like? You know, it's similar to parenting. You kind of got to have some boundaries. And, and boundaries sort of make people feel protected, right? It's like, this is who we are. And we're not changing just because the weight went up on a Tuesday, right? And you don't want us to change. Right. And so if you're in charge, are you going to do that hard thing? This is why I don't believe that 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 any of this stuff can do, be done without some level of coaching, because in those weak moments, what happens? And I'm not talking about like you don't need you don't need someone to talk you off the ledge. If you need to be talked off the ledge every other day or you need to watch motivation videos constantly to do the things you're not doing things you love, right? And if you loved it, if it was your routine, if it was important to you, I mean, when I go to bed at 930, I, I swear to you, I'm so happy because one, I know as someone who almost had like a bad relationship with the bed at one point, I had to like convert myself to go in, you know what? Bed's pretty comfortable. Right. The bed is is nice. I have my own blanket. 
I'm listening to a podcast that I typically like. I don't pressure myself to go to sleep, but I naturally do go to sleep because I have these routines in place, things of this nature. And so if you're constantly wanting to change your plan without actually getting to favorable math, you're just going to rinse and repeat the same thing over and over again. And if your goal is to ultimately be leaner, you know, I don't know if it was this podcast, I think it was, or, or the last podcast where we talked about it. But like, one of the things I'm really super proud of is the fact that, that we have really, you know, um, capable and fit people, right? Kind of no matter what their situation is, right? And, and they're muscular and strong and they're badass and they're part of the community and, and, and all this and that. So when we talk to someone and they come to, to come to us and their weight's up over one, one day and they request a mini cut, but their calories are at 1,700, we're going to tell them no because we don't want them to be in that place where they're never making progress, right? And you do have to fight through that comfort. I mean, imagine a scenario where you've lost 30 pounds and you're going to cling to that 30 pounds so hard that you're not willing to gain five pounds, right? Or weight can fluctuate two to three pounds. That's not reality. That is a, that is a setup for a bad relationship with food and potentially really harmful relationship with food, right? What I'm talking about is a scenario where not only are calories progressing, but that you actually have a good relationship with the mirror. Right. If you look in the mirror and you go one, two, you know, and, and you're, you're counting the abs and then now you're going. But but now it needs to also correspond with weighing one hundred and twenty seven pounds. It's like, are you I think you're kind of missing the long term picture. Right. And so so I'm absolutely certain when I put on mini cut. And I put it compared to, let's say, a podcast on sleep. Everybody's going to want to click the mini cut because they're going to want to know what a mini cut is, right? A mini cut within each form is actually quite simple. And in a way, what Susan said was correct. So a mini cut, normally in a cycle with us, you have six weeks, then you have AP where calories normalize, and then not, not quite all the way back normal, but 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 high enough to where the math comes back so that your metabolism can function and so that we can go for the rest of the weight. Then we have another six weeks, which is, so it's fat loss one, fat loss two, right? So in the, um, in the first one, if you're doing a mini cut, six weeks is optional, right? And so, so you can do three weeks, right? But once again, your calories have to be at a certain point. So I'll give you an example because I do mini cuts, right? But my calories are 3,500 the good majority of the time. So if I do a three-week mini cut, my last mini cut, I think was about close to a year ago. Um, and, and it was three weeks, you know, um, and in those three weeks, you know, you, the, the idea is that you can actually lose more than, than one pound a week because you're trying to get in and get out. 
And so typically when a, with a mini cut, we're also going to try and normalize calories again relatively quickly, you know, so that, you know, you can get your result and then get back to normal, go into the gym, fully capable, all this stuff. Right. So, um, so that's how it differs, right? A lot of these other programs that don't have these parameters, right? Now in like the second phase of fat loss, um, I mean, look, if, if you're losing weight, you know, kind of at a good clip, an even form coach isn't going to stop you. But what we see, and we've seen it through tens of thousands of people, is that about six weeks, it's like trying to get blood from a rock, right? And so, so you don't, there's, there's two answers to a plateau, eat more or eat less, right? And so if we've already gone down, what most of you listening to this podcast, if you're well acquainted with, with, with dieting, but you're not really that acquainted to eat to perform, you probably never heard that before. It probably never occurred to you that the other way to deal with a plateau, and it also, by the way, scares the shit out of you, right? Because it's kind of scary to think that, well, you know, won't I gain weight or won't I gain fat? Here's why you won't gain weight and why you won't gain fat. Now, weight will fluctuate, right? You have to, you have, to have kind of like a mental attitude of, of what is going to make sense. But what happens for people that are over-consuming, right, doesn't happen when people are adequately consuming, right? So if, if I can get your calories up to, say, 2,300 calories, but you were eating 3,200 before, we don't necessarily need to go back to 3,200. You might actually go back to 3,200, by the way. So let me give you an example where you might go back to 3,200. In the case of, of 3,200, that happens. It's not common, but it happens. Is you lose 30 pounds and a whole new world opens up to you. You're performing better in the gym. And now all of a sudden you're doing CrossFit qualifiers or long endurance races or things of this nature. And your whole life and perspective has changed. And you you're found something that you love and you're doing it. And so we're going to fuel that behavior. You know, I've been doing a lot of podcasts recently. We talked about this a lot on, on the Lifetime podcast that we did um, a few weeks ago. But, but I have a postmenopausal, 65-year-old, long-endurance athlete, 3,000 to 3,500 calories, right? And, and she was at 190 at one point, eating 1,100 calories and wondering why she couldn't lose weight. And right now she's in 140s, kind of teetering in that 150. Um, range. And so, so, you know, she's now eating 3000 to 3,500 calories. The, the part, there was a video that I did a while back and I talked about the miracle of eat to perform that just sort of gets lost. Right. And the miracle of eat to perform is that if you take someone who was 190, eating 1100 calories, banging their head against a rock and getting nowhere, and then you get them to 150 at 3,500. Now, don't get me wrong. She's been working with me for a while, right? And, and essentially, when you look at it, we had kind of one big drop, 
And then we had two other shorter drops, right? That were, were around 10 to kind of get to, to where we are now. But that going from 1100 to 3,500, that's a miracle. We performed a miracle, right? And so all of you listening to this are like, well, I'm in performance recomp and I'm not losing weight. Just think about what you're saying. Think about the flexibility that you have in your life. Think about if your kids want to go to Dairy Queen, you get to say yes, right? And you're not worried that, oh my goodness, I'm going to feel so guilty because the scale is probably going to be up and things of this nature. It, it's the piece of what we do that I sometimes lose focus on. I sometimes, you know, don't, you know, give as much credit as it probably should. And so I just want you to understand that when other places are talking about these mini cuts and you go to your eat form coach and want to talk about a mini cut, we have strict rules about it, right? Because it's not going to be favorable for you. So what happens is, so, so just to be honest with you, you know, there was a point where as a client, you know, I would say around six or seven years ago, where you could do that and you could ask us for a mini cut and we operated similar to the other places. And then every time we did it, it didn't work every single time. And so, so we were just like, well, this is, this is not good. Right. And so then we started to establish much better protocols. Right. And so, um, I just wanted you to know that because I know this isn't the only information that you consume. Right. And and if you're, you know, kind of sitting there and you're coming from kind of a really restricted background and you signed up for eat to perform and and, you know, you haven't really gotten to the eat to perform part yet. Right. The eat to perform part where, you know, we're kind of building the abacus that the monkey can then pull with. But the but the end of the day, you know, eat to perform is that period where you're not dieting the majority of the time. So then you have options like a mini cut or you have options like a fat loss cycle every, you know, I mean, if it was up to me, I would, I would use the standard I use for myself. I reevaluate every five years. Right. And my default is no. <laughs> right. My default is I don't want to eat less and I don't want to do less. Right. This idea of eat less and do more. That is a lie. That isn't even logical, right? If you thought about it for five seconds, you would go, the, when I eat more, I can do more. When I eat less, I feel awful and I don't want to do anything. But you, you want me to tell you a little secret about that whole eating less? It also doesn't come with a lot of pressure. You don't feel like you need to find that thing you love. You don't feel like you, you know, should kind of have a gym routine in place right the the expectations get lower and then all of a sudden you know you're eating you know 1200 calories for a very long time initially it worked but eventually you plateaued and now you feel trapped right i'm giving you the key right now right but the key is not i mean it's really not the the reverse dieting, it's not the, 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 the mini cuts, it's not the fat loss cycles. It's just these long periods where you're just doing awesome shit, you know, eating 
an adequate amount of food. So hopefully that helps everyone. Um, Susan, last word before we, we move on. Yes, I agree. Okay. Well, I appreciate everybody being here. And uh, I mean, look, at the end of the day, I think, you know, if you're not familiar with Susan, Susan's working with some of the, the most accomplished athletes in the world. So the idea of like some of the most accomplished athletes, I'm mean, not that she doesn't work with other people too, but, you know, they're not wanting to cut all the time, right? They're wanting to fuel, you know, and, and I'll end on this note. For most of you, the real problem that you have is perspective, but it's also incentives, right? If you look at a professional athlete, they have the incentives to do all of the things more correctly. Most of you don't have similar incentives, right? And so it does harm kind of your, your view of food, but also, um, you know, the, the what it would take to make these routines a part of who you are, right? So we'll end on that note. I appreciate everybody being here and we'll talk to you later.